You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. The sermon this afternoon is on 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8. We read two parts from the Holy Scripture, first from the Old Testament, from the prophecies of Isaiah, chapter 59, verse 9 through 21. So justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but it is all darkness, for brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like men without eyes. At midday we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong we are like the dead. We all growl like bears. We moan mournfully like doves. We look for justice but find none. For deliverance, but it is far away. For our offenses are many in your sight. And our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us. And we acknowledge our iniquities. Rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on God, fomenting oppression and revolt, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of Salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, so he will repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. From the west, men will fear the name of the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repents of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Our second reading is from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and verse 8 is the text for a sermon. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers, 
are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. The text for sermon is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8. But since we belong to the day... Let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, international terrorism sure has reached one of its goals and personal safety. And national safety is priority number one for people all over our planet. Because when safety is such a priority, people show they are frightened. They are terrified because of the terrorism. And they are looking, people all over our planet, for a well-protected personal life. I mean, if your neighbor is someone who speaks another language, you may not feel at ease. And you want to be sure your family is safe, don't you? Not only on an individual level, whole nations are spending huge amounts of money on national safety. And soldiers from many different nations operate worldwide in order to to guarantee peace and safety. Every now and then, whole new weapon systems are invented and introduced to enforce peace, safety. Now, the Bible offers us a whole new weapon system to protect you completely. Or better, the Bible tells us there is someone who is able to offer you real protection, who can render you invulnerable. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he wants to protect you against the terror itself, the devil. Yeah, or should I say he wants to protect us against ourselves. Because it is for a reason that we begin every Sunday uh, morning service with a confession of sins. We thereby admit it is dark in this world of ours. Not because Satan made it dark in this world. 
but because we ourselves are responsible for the disappearing of the light of the Lord. Anyway, this is the good news. Daylight will return, and until it returns, you can find safety, and you can find peace in him. And that's what a sermon is about this afternoon. Now, it's going to be kind of a military sermon about soldiers, about warfare. And you probably expected something like that when we read 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8. It's the picture of a soldier drawn before your eyes. A soldier like, well, such a Roman soldier as you might know from your history books. Or even a soldier from the army of Alexander the Great. You know that great king was born near Thessalonica some three or four centuries before Paul wrote his letter to the congregation at that city. It will be a military sermon, yet it will not only be about might, nor only about power, it will be about the spirit and about your spiritual spiritual attitude and attention, because your attitude is more important than your gear, and being in attention, being vigilant, more important than your weaponry. Just take a look at what the weapons actually are in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8, faith, hope, and love. So be vigilant. That's the message of Paul for the congregation of the Thessalonians. Be vigilant. That is my message to you. We live in a dark world and we have to stand guard. It is night and you are the watchman of the Lord. So this sermon is about us being the night watch of the Lord. It is night, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, and we have to stand guard during that night. The theme of the sermon is the night watch of the Lord. First point of the sermon, salute. Second point, present arms. Third point, stand easy. The theme of the sermon, the night watch of the Lord. Salute, present arms, stand easy. Salute. Everybody knows what a military salute looks like. A salute is a sign of respect for someone higher ranked than you. Salute, for the general is coming. Or in Roman times, salute, the emperor is coming. In Paul's days, uh, an emperor ruled the Roman Empire. And every citizen of the empire (laughs) saluted the emperor. Because every citizen was well aware the emperor in Rome is in person the guarantee for peace in the Roman Empire. And peace there was in the days of Paul, no terror. The peace of Rome, it was a concept with its own name, the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And after the yearly throne speech, all the people had to say, it will be a year of peace and safety. Again, peace and safety. These exact words were, in reality, used to describe the state of the empire. 
And Paul borrows, he uses those words because everybody knew what they meant. But then Paul criticizes the concept. Paul writes, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. Destruction, Paul? Indeed. Destruction. This peace and safety of the Roman Empire are not real. Peace and safety. That's the message Paul has for the Thessalonians. Even Roman peace is not true peace. Human peace is not for real. That already was the message of the prophets of the Holy Scripture throughout the Bible. Just listen to the words of Jeremiah. They, the untrue prophets and priests, dressed the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Or listen to the words of Ezekiel. Because they, the false prophets, lead my people astray, saying, peace, when there is no peace. Look, this is an ongoing warning in the scriptures. The warning against false human peace. Apparently, that is what people are like. They're easy to satisfy with peace. That is no peace for real. Now, if that's true, we should be able to recognize this attitude in our own times and even in our own lives. Well, I think in our days, people are not saying peace and safety. The state of the world is not like that. People talk about danger and war. And any throne speech or state of the union of our days is about the threat and instability of the world. It truly is night in our times. Yet, where do people look for safety? Where do nations look for stability and peace? Well, you do see individual people buy a weapon to protect themselves. You do see nations form international coalitions for a war on terror. Look, I'm not a politician, so who am I to judge what nations do or what people do? But I am a minister of the word of the Lord, and the Bible tells me about our human race looking for peace and safety, yet they only find Shallow peace, unstable safety, human peace, human safety. But pay attention now and salute our general, our king, the Lord himself. In the light of his eyes, all our well-planned strategies for peace, our human measurements to guarantee safety, they disappear like morning clouds. Salute, because he is coming and his day is coming. And pay attention to the signals of the coming of that day. Because he is coming, like Isaiah said, chapter 58. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. And again, from the west, men will fear the name of the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come 
like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. Pay attention, for he is coming. Salute him when he arrives. Salute him, but do not fear. Because we who belong to Christ, we belong to the light. That day of the Lord that is to come, that day will be our day as well. When you find shelter near Jesus Christ now, you may know you will be safe when the Lord comes and when his day comes. Just like Rahab in the Bible, you probably remember her. She lived in Jericho, this strong city of peace and safety. But then the Lord came and turned the stable city upside down. Yet Rahab was truly safe because she had found shelter near the Lord. Stand at attention. Salute him. And fear no more. Then we come to our second point. Present arms. But why? Present arms. I just proclaimed the power of the Lord. How come I now speak about a show of our weapons? What power of human beings can exist alongside the might of the Lord himself? Well, you're right. Our weapons have no strength at all compared to the holy power of the Lord. And that is the exact reason why Paul, in 1 Thessalonians, mentions those specific weapons. He mentions the breastplate and the helmet. Those weapons are weapons of defense, weapons of protection. A breastplate, an armor, is meant to protect you from deadly injuries. Protect your heart. A helmet you wear to prevent your head being severely wounded. Does indeed. When I say present arms, I cannot speak of our power, our readiness to come into action as if we have to mobilize ourselves. These Bible words speaks, speak of weapons of defense. Of course, we know that somewhere else the Bible also speaks about those weapons of faith in Ephesians chapter 6. Those weapons are also, also mentioned by Paul. And not only those weapons, he also mentions aggressive weapons in Ephesians chapter 6. But right now, we're speaking about Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. And what we see is that Paul in this letter purposely chooses to talk about weapons of defense only. And there is a tactical reason for him to do so. You have to be well protected before you go into action. But there is also a theological reason that this justification goes before sanctification. The Lord has to be merciful to you, give you forgiveness, give you his spirit, before any good action can come out of your hands. So first come the weapons of defense, of protection, of mercy. Just look at the names that Paul gives to both weapons. The breastplate, he says, is the breastplate of faith 
and love. And, and the helmet is the helmet of hope, hope of salvation. So here we are. If my defense depends on the protection of my faith and my love, I would have been killed a long, long time ago. Of course, I don't know the state of your faith. But isn't it weak? Often? No problem for the enemy to shoot his flaming arrows right through it. Just like my love, you know, my love for the Lord and my love for my neighbor. It is so vulnerable. Not to mention this helmet of hope. Of course we hope in the Lord. But often our hope is this small. With such a helmet I'm virtually unprotected. Present arms. I have nothing to show. Then let us again pay attention to the only one who is our strength. Let us look for protection Well, near the Lord. Take shelter close to Him. Let us look at His weapons. Maybe our weapons will become stronger in the light of His power. Let us listen. Listen again to what the prophet Isaiah tells us about the weapons of the Lord. Isaiah says, He put on righteousness as His breastplate and the helmet of salvation on His head. Look, there are the exact Weapons, Paul mentions in Thessalonians, the weapons that should protect us. But what we have to understand is that these words, these weapons, fit the Lord first before they are carried by us. The Lord himself is carrying these weapons. When he comes into action, this breastplate, this helmet, in a sense it's a pity. We cannot see the image Isaiah saw. But by his words, we can still feel the power of his vision. Something really powerful is happening. He sees the Lord, the holy God himself. His righteousness is his breastplate. No arrow, no missile can harm him. Because the Lord is righteous in all his deeds. There is no weakness in anything he does. His righteousness, it is a matter of his heart. He will be righteous at any cost. And salvation is a matter of his head, his helmet. We know where the enemy appears, destruction is near. But when the Lord arrives, he comes with peace, with salvation. When the Lord presents his arms, the Satan has lost already. Now, what is the connection between these arms of the Lord and the weapons we have? Well, this is the most important part of the message I want to bring to you this afternoon. Your breastplate of faith and love reflects his breastplate of righteousness. Your helmet of hope reflects his helmet of salvation. Look, when the Lord comes, he comes as the righteous one. We are not righteous in ourselves. But we, in faith, find shelter in his righteousness. Our love for him is the love for him who saves us. 
so your breastplate may be thin or almost non-existent. He protects you with the breastplate of his righteousness. Just like this helmet. My helmet is a helmet of hope. Hope of what? Hope of his salvation. He put on the helmet of salvation on his head. I am protected by the hope of his salvation. Do you understand? Present arms. Don't think that you have to show your own power. His righteousness and his salvation are your protection. And now, third point, I want to tell you how to keep your weapons ready. Well, you know, when you have a gun, you need to clean it. You need to keep it in good condition. And you know that when you go hunting, you, you need to be alert yourselves. This counts for the spiritual warfare, too. You have to keep your faith, your hope, your love in good condition. First, by reading and studying the Holy Scripture. That is um, the only way to understand what faith and hope and love is in the eyes of the Lord. And your weapons are useless if you don't know how they work. And Scripture tells you what faith and hope and love are like. So to study the Scripture, you have to come, you have to come here to attend the church services. And the ministers of the Holy Word have to instruct you. Not drill instructors, but faith instructors. Instruction. And you have to instruct one another. That's the point of Bible study. Within your families, within your Bible study groups. Instruction is one thing. I must admit, I am worried sometimes about the quality of this instruction. Of course, I don't know what it is like in Langley. But I know the situation of some congregations. And what I see is that, well, for example, during summer, no catechism classes, less Bible study groups, less instruction. On Sunday, of course, there is Sunday services, and that's it. Now, what I want to ask your attention to is that you have to take care, that you keep spending time together, talk together, talk about faith together, study the Bible together. I hope you understand my point. For you to be a soldier of the Lord, you need nothing have to interrupt your biblical instruction. Instruction is one thing, practice the other. How to keep your qualities as a soldier in good order by practicing. And indeed, practice your faith as well by constant prayer. Practice your hope by singing the Psalms and praising the Lord. Practice your love by loving, loving the Lord, loving his church, loving your neighbor. Your love, your hope, your faith needs practicing. So keep practicing. That was not the last point of the sermon. Stand easy. The theme of the sermon is the night watch of the Lord. First point, salute the king. Second point, present arms. Third point, stand easy. Yes, and that's important because I don't want you to. I don't want to send you home 
with the idea that you have to do it all by yourselves. This war you cannot fight by yourself, much less win it by yourself. You have to start with surrendering yourself, your life, to Christ. So stand easy. Find the peace and the safety of your life with him. Start every week of your life with him. Start every day of the week with him. Only then you can stand guard. Only then you can be part of the night watch of the Lord. But do you realize there once was one night when none of us stood guard for him? Do you remember there once was one night when he kept watch alone? It was the last night before his death. His disciples, his closest friends, had fallen asleep. But he was awake and well aware of the war he had to fight. Now look at him. How vulnerable he was. Nobody dared to put faith in him anymore. And for love, the love of the Lord seeming far away. So no hope for light at all. Unarmed, he appeared. No breastplate to see, no helmet to protect him from the attacks of the Satan. His night watch to be awake all alone during the pitch dark night. But do remember The daylight returned. The devil with all his might tried to destroy our Lord Jesus Christ that night, yet he failed. Why? You know your Savior. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. How Satan wished to crush his head to wound him in his heart. But he could do no more harm than to hurt his heel. And the day will come that Satan's hat will be crushed. Then things will again be the way the Lord wanted always. The night will disappear. Let there be light. And there was light. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.